This is the most full that this church has been since March 16th. Um, I just want to point that out. Um, two months have gone by. Uh, March 17th, our, the, the pandemics was spreading and things were kind of going a little bit out of control and all of a sudden schools were getting closed and this was getting closed and we suspended the public celebration of Mass. That's March 17th. Since then, um, after that, as a, as a priest, there's not, there's not many things that are better than Sunday morning, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, there's not many things that are, that are more fulfilling and more exciting than being able to shake hands and high fives and all the, the hugs and hearing about people what, where they need prayer and hearing about people and their success stories and good things that are going on in their life after Mass. Uh, I personally, the 15 minutes after Mass, or 30 minutes, uh, whenever you got some parishes, uh, like ours, like the, the time after Mass of shaking hands and hugs and all that stuff, for me, is one of the most fulfilling 15 minutes of my week. And on March 17th, stopped. No more public Mass. Um, Lent all of a sudden became a little bit different. Easter didn't know if it would, but it, it became different as well, and the Easter season became different, and Mass all of a sudden was relegated to a closet. <laughs> now our Adoration Chapel, but feels like a closet. Pretty empty. A camera and a couple of people, and just hoping that people are paying attention and involved. March 17, 2020, will be a day I never forget. Now, we, we, we see ourselves coming back to Mass and back to church. Um, the largest gathering that our community has had, uh, in this area at least, that I know of, um, outside of graduation and things, but the largest church gathering that we've had was on Mother's Day morning on the field in between uh, the old school and the church. Mass on the grass. Got permission to do an outdoor Mass, everybody wearing masks for the first time. It was a it was awesome to be able to be together as a community. There's a few things that stick out to me that day that, that I think were, that were awesome that, that still kind of stay with me. Um, one of them being uh, when I'm preaching loud in the, in the, in, in the grass like that, it, it, I guarantee I woke some people up on Sunday morning that probably were not very happy with me. Oh well. Um, there was a couple of things, I, walking in and feeling being surrounded by people or consecrating the host and seeing people again for the first time in a long time. There's a lot of things that really stick out to me from that morning. But the thing I think that sticks out to me to the, the absolute most was one person that I remember coming up for communion. As she approached communion, as she came up in the line, obviously six feet apart and the mask on and all that stuff, but when I saw her take her mask off, there was this one lady in particular, when she took her mask off, I just saw tears flowing. I just saw it, it, rivers coming out of her eyes. That she was able to receive communion for the first time since March 16th. Why on earth? Like, it, but when we look at that moment, from a worldly standard, when we look at that moment, not with the eyes of faith as we do, but when we look at that moment from a completely worldly and secular view, she's coming to receive a stale cracker. Why on earth would someone cry? Why on earth 
would there be a feeling that elicits that kind of emotion for a stale piece of bread? Today's celebration is about that stale piece of bread. Today's celebration is about the pinnacle of all existence, the pinnacle of all creation, the moment where heaven touches earth and heaven comes to us in the Eucharist. Today's feast is about that piece of bread. When, I come to, when, when, we, when we come to celebrate the liturgy, when we come to celebrate Mass on Sunday, um, there's four ways in which God is present. There's four ways that we make Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, present before us. And I think the more we understand those four ways, the better that we understand and can wrap our mind around those four ways, the more that we'll be able to enter into the Mass, enter into the celebration of the Eucharist more wholeheartedly and more fully. The first way, the congregation. I think that's why celebrating Mass with a camera and a couple of people didn't feel right. Because one, we know that in, in the community of the faithful, God is present. As St. Paul talks about, right? That the, we make up, we animate the body of Christ today. That when we're sitting in our pews, you are the body of Christ come together. Notice also the architecture of our church. You have two sides this way, one side down the middle. makes the shape of a cross. If this was a cross, where would you be sitting? The arms and the body. So today, we, you, you represent the body of Christ, but it doesn't stop there because quite honestly, we can go to a lot of different places in the world. We can go do a lot of different things in the secular world and find community. Go to an LSU game. You have 106,000 of your best friends all wearing purple and gold and hating Alabama together, right? Go to, if you want to be a part of a social club, you want to be part of a chamber of commerce or a KC's or, or a, a, a rotary club or something like that, you can find community anywhere. But there's a little bit different in the church. But that's not the only way that Christ is made present in the community. Another way Christ is made present. We just experienced it through the readings. Christ is made present in His Word. The Word of God. The Word made flesh. Jesus Christ is made present and revealed to us more fully in the Word, especially in the Gospels. That's why whenever it's time for the Gospels, we sing the hymn of, of heaven, Alleluia. And that's why myself or deacon process around with a book high. To honor God's presence in the Gospels. But... Again, there's places that break open the Scriptures. Father, like there, there are Christian churches all over the world that break open the thing. Why would it be that a Catholic church, what, what's unique about the Catholic church? The next two places is what's unique about our church. First is the priesthood. And second is our sacrament that we celebrate today. Last week, uh, I had the opportunity, and it was a it was wonderful, beautiful celebration to be able to be with Father Bruce, our new associate. Um, it's always a mysterious moment when a man, a normal guy, a guy from cut off Louisiana, <laughs> can stand before our Lord, stand before the bishop, 
And all of a sudden, because of laying on of hands and a prayer, can now make the mysteries of heaven present on earth. At at an ordination, a man is conformed in in a special way, in a particular way, to be able to make God present to the rest of the world around him. That whenever he forgives sins, it's Jesus that forgives sins. That when he baptizes, it's Jesus that baptizes. That when he celebrates communion, celebrates the sacrament of the Eucharist, it's Christ doing it. That's why I notice today whenever I celebrate the Eucharistic prayer and I say those words that Christ said at the Last Supper, I don't say this is Jesus' body lifted up for you. This is Jesus' blood. The chalice of Jesus' blood. No, I say this is my body given up for you. This is my blood given up for you. Because the priesthood is ordered to the sacrifice of Christ. So much so that at the ordination, a man will literally lay on the ground, face down. I did it at my ordination to the priesthood and diaconate. Deacon Tim did it at his diaconate. A man lays down on his face to say, Lord, I pour out all that is me so that you can fill and work. So we have a priesthood that allows a man to stand in the person of Christ. In the last way, and the peak way, and the most precious and beautiful way that God is made present, that Christ is made present today in this Mass is through the sacrament. If God can work through a a, a normal man from Cutoff or a normal man from Raceland or a normal man from Lockport or a normal man from any town in the area or in the world, God can work miracles through that. He can also work through normal bread and normal wine. See, in the, in, the, in the Scriptures, over and over, God makes sure to feed and sustain His people. Today in our first reading, we heard in the book of Deuteronomy that they were, the, the Israelites are thinking back. They're talking about how it was that God acted for them as they were, as they were just walking through Egypt. We know the Moses brings the, we, we know the story of Moses and Pharaoh and how he brings the Israelites through the Red Sea. For the next 40 years, they walk around lost. Basically lost until they get to the promised land. For 40 years, an entire nation walks around lost, but God makes sure over and over that they're fed and that their thirst is satiated. That their thirst is quenched. The way He feeds them, there's this miracle that happens every morning. That they would go out and they would collect what's called manna. Manna was basically, it almost looked like a frost on the ground, but it was bread. And what he would do is, he would coat the ground with it wherever they were. They would wake up in the morning, they would go out, and they would collect it. And they had enough to eat for a day. He made sure that they were fed. The other way, he made sure that thirst was quenched, that God made sure that as Moses was leading them, and they were thirsty, and they were dying of thirst, Moses struck a rock and water flowed. Now, I don't know about you, but I never woke up in the morning and saw bread on the ground. And I never hit a rock and all of a sudden had a river flow out of it. But these are two miracles that God makes a point to, have, makes a point to make sure that His people are fed and His people's thirst are quenched so that they can survive. He made Himself present to His people in the Old Testament. Now, a rule for us, anytime we read Scripture, 
you look at the Old Testament and there's a promise or a miracle, the fulfillment of that promise or miracle in the New Testament is going to be greater. Right? So if they did something in the Old Testament, it's going to be greater and bigger and more perfect in the New Testament. And that's where we get today's Gospel. In John's Gospel, Jesus talks about Himself as being the bread of life. That the miraculous bread that happened in the, in the, out in the desert, that's wonderful, that's great. We can, re, we can know that God cares about us because of it. But it's not the ultimate bread that He wants to give us. Later on in John's Gospel, Jesus will use this image of the vine and the branches. And in that vine and the branches image, it, it, what grows on vines? Grapes. And he talks about drinking of the, of, the, of the fountain of life. Jesus continually uses this image of feeding and quenching as two things that he wants to do for his people. Over and over, he uses these images. And I'm going to quench your thirst and I'm going to feed you. I'm going to sustain you in the faith. Now one of the lines that he uses in both of these instances that I think is very, very important for us, I think it's, it's key for us to remember, is that he uses the phrase, remain in me. When he's talking about the vine and the branches, he says, if you're cut off from the branch, you can't bear fruit. So please, remain in me so that you can bear fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is using this image of wine. He's using this image of, 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 of quenching a thirst and inviting us to remain close to Him. And in today's Gospel, He uses that same phrase, but when He uses it in today's Gospel, He says, He who eats my, eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in Me. See, whenever we come to the sacrament, when we come to this communion, when we come to receive the Lord, we don't come haphazardly. We shouldn't come with just the intention of, you know what, it's because I need to make my mom happy. I remember growing up, that was, uh, that was our thing. If you didn't go to Mass before you went to Mamon's house for lunch, you didn't eat, right? But when we come to this sacrament, when we come to the Eucharist, it's really, it, while yes, it's the Lord that's giving Himself to us, it's an invitation to dive into relationship with Him. It's an invitation to be in relationship with Him. That we wouldn't just make it a public spectacle, but that we would have a relationship that the Lord is actually in our heart and in us working through us all the time. I heard it, it was, yesterday I was listening to a talk, and, and, and part of the talk, the guy said, if, if your relationship, if relationships in your life are only public, what relationship is it? What real relationship is involved? Think about it, if, you, if, if you're married and you only talk to your husband or only talk to your wife, in a public arena. How deep is the relationship really? For us, a relationship that God is inviting us into, is it something that, is, that we absolutely, yes, come before our Lord today to be able to receive Him and dive into relationship with Him? But is it something that gets left at the altar or left at the door on, on Sunday afternoon? Lord, you can have Sunday morning. But I'm taking the rest of my week. See, God is calling us. God desires us. God wants to be in relationship with us so bad that at every Mass, what does He do? He steps out from heaven to here. He steps out from heaven to earth to meet you. 
to meet you and I, to invite us personally, one-on-one, into a relationship with Him. He wants nothing more than to make Himself present to us so that we can receive Him. Finally, when it comes to bread, when it comes to wine, both bread and wine, what happens during it is that something is crushed. Something is broken. If you think about it, to make bread, you need, a, you need flour to make flour. You need wheat, if you, unless you use something else that, that we're not going to get into. But like you take wheat that has to then be cleaned, that has to be then be kind of, you know, it, it has to be kind of, you take all the husk and everything off, and you've got to crush it. You've got to break it down. Turn it into a powder. Then you can bake with it. Right? Then you can bake the bread. Wine. You got it on a vine. You have to pick it. You have to clean it. And you have to crush it to let the grapes ferment. And then you have wine. Both of them require a crushing. They require a death. In the same way, as we come to celebrate this Mass, our, our, our salvation is found through a crushing and through a death. Good Friday. What, may, what happens here, that same crushing and death that happened to make the wine and make the bread that is going to become Jesus' body, happened to Jesus' body 2,000 years ago on a cross. And was the remedy for all sin. In the same way as we approach, we come, having done the penitential right at the beginning of Mass, having said, Lord, I confess to Almighty God that You are my Father and that I have sinned. We come to be purified. That our sin, our life, our hearts, whatever it is that is not of God, may be crushed and transformed. Today when the Lord comes to us, when He steps down to you and to I, what He's doing is is He's inviting us into a relationship. And He wants all of the stuff of our life to be transformed with it. To be transformed with the bread. If He can make a miracle happen with, bre- with dew frost bread and, and a rock with water in the Old Testament, if He can make a miracle happen with bread and wine today into His body, blood, soul, and divinity, what kind of miracle can He work in your heart and mine if we only give Him permission? I think on Mother's Day when we had that Mass, that's what was in those tears. Someone was overwhelmed that God loved them so much and it was, was, it was so starving for His presence in their life after two months that they couldn't help but hold it back. Today, the same gift of the Lord, whether it's been two days, whether it's been two weeks, whether it's been two months or two years since you've been to confession, been to Mass, the same presence of the Lord is here for you. It's here to be given to you. Not to you as a collective, but you individually. Me, Father. The Lord comes to meet you. May we receive Him Let His presence in our life change us. May we stay rooted and remain with Him always. Amen.